Welcome to the High Rankings Podcast, brought to you by Dispensary Growth, the preeminent SEO agency for dispensary. Each episode will dive into the world of search engine optimization for cannabis dispensary. We'll discuss the latest strategies and tactics to help your dispensary rank higher on search engines and attract more patients and customers. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, join us as we explore how to maximize your online presence and stay ahead of the competition in the rapidly growing cannabis industry. Hello and welcome back to episode 17 or season 2 episode 7. We, as promised in our last episode, do have a guest on this week and we will introduce him in a little bit. But as always, we're going to do some catch up. Charlie has actually done something cool this week instead of just talking about it. So, Charlie, where are you right now? Where are you? What are you doing? So I made it up here to Winter Park. Uh, It's in the mountains of Colorado. And it is a crisp 68 degrees in the mountain air, that clean, clear, crisp mountain air. So I'm in Winter Park. I've been here. We're recording on Tuesday, on a Tuesday. Been here since over the weekend. And there's the mountain bike park. It's called Trestle. And that opened up and it is banging. It is absolutely fucking banging. And I got my mountain bike up here. I got a new, like a burly mountain bike a couple months ago. So... It's nice to have like a big boy bike up here now and not be afraid of. And I've I've beaten the hell out of this thing <laughs> the past couple of days. I'm surprised I haven't broken anything on this thing because, you know, bigger bike comes as they say like bigger balls and you try like bigger things and some of it's worked out, some of it hasn't. But luckily, I haven't gotten hurt. So yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's it's good to get away from Denver for a couple of days too. So been in Winter Park, like I said, just hitting the mountain bike pretty hard. And you are sporting a very lovely farmer's tan. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I was out. I was outside all day yesterday. I, I must have done like six, seven laps yesterday. Grabbed some lunch, and then just came home. And I thought to myself, "Yeah, I, <laughs> I get burned pretty good." But uh, it's it's fun. It's better than being inside all day on Zoom calls, you know. So, are you going to go out today and find yourself some sunscreen? Yeah, probably. So I'm going to be out all day. Well, most of the day today and tomorrow and part of Thursday. So yeah, probably. It's probably advisable, huh? Yeah. I mean, I live in Sunshine State, so I always advise sunscreen. Yeah, I'll I'll probably grab something. Especially seeing how sunny it is out there. I mean, it's like clear blue skies, so you're yeah. going to get mustard. And you're already red because yeah. that's not a tan. That's definitely not tan. That's burn. Yeah, you can tell up. yourself that it's, it's definitely not a tan. Oh, I, I already have a tan, I guess. <laughs> a year-round tan. But when it's there's no clouds out, just like a slight breeze, it's so nice. And then you're just blasting down a mountain. And you know, there there's some kids out here, maybe 16, maybe 17, doing some pretty cool things too. So all in all, it's it's good to be up here. Honestly, like getting burned, like that's like the least of consequences that can happen here so if that happens i'm not worried about it but if it does you know until it leads to like skin cancer and stuff you know (laughs) (laughs) i saw a kid yesterday i was on a line they rate it like for those that have never been or don't know they rate these trails like ski lines or ski trails so there's like there's green there's blue there's black diamond there's double black diamond and, and the pro line is still shut so i was on a double black diamond 
And I mean, it's gnarly. I mean, it, like you, you can't stop on the trail. You can't like go backwards. You can't like avoid, like there's mandatory jumps. There's mandatory gaps. Like you have to be bombing down this line. I saw a kid yesterday and I broke the rule, like no oh, big deal. I hopped off my bike and there's this big gap. And it's like, okay. The scary thing is when you're on here is that there's a jump that goes up. Like you can see the takeoff of the jump, but you can't see what's behind it. So it, it's blind. <laughs> You're going like 20 miles an hour, like death grip on your bars and you're ripping down this, like it's fucking scary. And there's a big sign that says gap with like exclamation point, you know? So like you can kind of prep, but if you don't know the line, like you don't know what comes next. So yeah. Monday, like 11.30 AM, there's nobody really out. So I hop off my bike. I make sure to jump off the trail. I'm on like the side of a mountain. I'm like trying to climb back. I scope the line scope the drop. All right. It's a pretty big drop. It's a pretty big gap. You have to be going really fast. All right. It's not that bad. Right. As I <laughs> myself, like, okay, can I do this? Like I, I have my bike off the line, off the path. I see these two kids, maybe 16 come ripping around a berm and heading towards this gap. I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, okay. I can see how these kids do it. This kid lands. He not only spans the gap, but he lands in a manual and a manual is when like, do you know what a wheelie is? Yeah. Yeah, so like a wheelie is when your front end is in the air, but you're pedaling. Yeah. Manual is when your front end is in the air, but you're not pedaling. So you're just coasting on your back wheel. This kid does okay. the gap and he's going like 20 miles an hour and he does the gap blind and he lands in a fucking manual. <laughs> he rides off on the trail. It's <laughs> like, you fucking asshole. Oh my God. I was like, these kids are ridiculous here. Uh, like, I think you're too old and fragile to try that stuff, to be honest. And he like he didn't even hesitate. He just rips around. I was like, oh my God, that, that was actually really fucking cool. So that was the only time I saw him. Of course, there's no way I could keep up with that kid, but see stuff like that is pretty cool. So like I said, the consequences that are out here are pretty big, but well, other than skin cancer, yeah, I'm fine with <laughs> getting burned up. Get some damn sunscreen. It's not yeah. that hard. They probably got it out there. Anyway, Kaz Potts, what is new in your life? What is, since you, you leave a very exciting it's like every day is something new in Kaz Potts' world. I don't know if it's exciting. So let's see. I cut all my hair off. I think I cut probably like seven inches, if not eight, in maybe more than that. But I don't know, eight inches maybe. I mean, I cut a lot off. It's short. Well, collarbone's short now. And it's no longer black for the first time in like 15 years of my life. It's now brown. That took all day Friday, literally all day Friday. It's and so then... I feel so bad for that stylist. She is amazing. Anyway, then we had family over Friday night for pizza with the pizza oven thing. And then Saturday was a little adventure day. We went over to Tampa and we went to the boat show. I think I forgot to send you the photo. Maybe I did. Went to the boat show and it wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be, but we went like, so it's inside, it was at state fairgrounds. And then we came outside and there was this one like dealership place outside. And the lady there had two goats and the goats were in life vests. What? And the goats' names were Shake and Bake. <laughs> and it was the best thing ever. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> just tattoo goats just hanging around. And they were so cute. And she let us pet them and everything. That was like cool. And then we were close to like the office. And I'm saying that in parentheses of my husband's work. And the guy who owns the company, he has cows out there and chickens. So he's like, do you want to go see the cows? So we went and saw the cows and I fed them their alfalfa cubes. 
because they're super his cows are super friendly like they were all the way over on the other side of the field so i just called them and they came running and you know invaded personal space so that was cool and then we went to ikea and then we came home and we had dinner with a bunch of friends of ours and then sunday we ended up Oh, we bought a pool, like an above ground pool, which is as redneck as it sounds, but the feels like temperatures here have been like a hundred and it's gnarly, gnarly hot. Oh. So we did that. What else? I think that's about it. <laughs> I'm sure I've done more. I just can't just so can't exciting. think about what more I've what so, do you say? I said so exciting. Going to IKEA. I love IKEA. I don't know what you're talking about. I so, freaking love IKEA. How long does your haircut take? Like total hours. So I got there at 10 and I left at seven something. Holy but like most of, that, most of that was because I was lightening my hair and my hair was jet black for like over 15 years. And so whenever you're lightening it, it takes time. It took her, and there were two of them, two hours just to put all the foils in my hair because I have a lot of hair. It took two hours just to do that. It was like... But they were great. Like they were so great. So now I've lifted my hair, what they call four levels. So instead of it being jet black, it's now like brown. That is like asinine, the amount of time. Do you know how but long do you know what? Some, But your hair is like, you know, Banging. a wig. But like some people would go in with jet black hair and they would tell her, I want to walk out of here blonde today. <laughs> and I mean, you can do it, but your hair will fall out. It'll just destroy your hair. So it's like, you have to do it like slowly and you have to do it carefully. So, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, do you think you'll do that again? I think, I think eventually I would like it lighter, but the thing is it will naturally lighten because my hair naturally, like I was born with like dark brown hair. I don't have like jet black hair. So do I think I'll do it again? Probably, but I won't do it for months and months because I this will lighten anyway, and it will lighten in the sun. But yeah, I won't do it again for probably at least a year, not longer. Goodness gracious! Do you have to use like a certain type of like shampoo or like conditioner or anything? You don't have to, but I do. I use like good quality products because one of my one of my closest friends, she has her own salon. It's a little far for me to be driving down there, but. So she can go to the stores that sell the high-end products because she has a cosmetology license. So I'm able to use like that to buy my high-end products at like 50% off what you could buy them in the store. Gotcha. Gotcha. Not going to lie. It sounds very exciting. I mean, maybe a little more exciting than my past couple of days. Dyeing your hair, Ikea. <laughs> Cows, goats. Goats. Actually, the goats sound pretty cool. Not going to lie. But anyway, yeah, that's the roundup for now. And we are going to have not only have we worked with him, but I think we would consider him a friend. Really nice guy. Definitely prefers me to you, as we've established many times. His name is Connor Douglas, and he is the owner of Astoria Advertising Company. So we're going to bring him in and have him introduce himself. And then we'll talk a little bit about him and what he does and how what he does and can help with SEO. And we're going to talk about KPIs and website analytics. So it's going to be a good time. So we will bring him on uh, now. 
Okay, so with us, we have our very first guest, which we're very excited about because we've been talking about this for a hot minute now. And finally, he has given us his time because he's a very busy person. But welcome to the podcast, our friend Connor Douglas. He is the owner of Astoria Advertising Company in New York. So Connor, why don't you introduce yourself a bit and tell us about you and your agency and how you got started and what kind of work you do? Sure thing. Well, Kaz, Charlie, first and foremost, thank you for having me on the show. It's an honor to be the first guest, that's for sure. I know it's been a long time in the works, but finally got on the show. So again, really appreciate you two inviting me on and just a pleasure to be here. So Kaz, as you stated, you know, a story advertising company, it's a small or we'll call boutique digital marketing focused agency out of New York City. Uh, my background really comes more from a full service marketing background, working at various advertising agencies throughout the New York City area with an emphasis and concentration on digital marketing. Think things like email, paid services such as Google Ads, social media advertising, and a lot of data visualization and analytics. Um, that is really the concentration of where I come from, what we excel at at a story advertising. Just to give you an idea of how long the business has been around, the agency has been in existence for about two to three years now, starting with about five to six clients. We're now upwards of 20 to 25 clients over the last couple of years. So exponential growth, mm-hmm. a big portion of that coming from obviously a need for more digital marketing, especially with the pandemic in 2020 and 2021, people needing to basically reach out to their audience and customers via digital outlets rather than more traditional. Restorate advertising is kind of what I call a collaborative digital marketing agency. You know, so while we offer an array of marketing services, we understand that each business operates differently, right? If uh, someone reaches out to us and says, you know, we really need someone proficient at email marketing, we already have someone in for Google Ads and Facebook and SEO. Um, you know, we are very, very big on partnering with those other vendors, other agencies. Um, to make sure that we're all collectively working towards the goal, whether that be sales, leads, form fills, phone calls, whatever that may be. So what I've noticed in my experience throughout my career is some agencies, and they really just come in to do the job they were hired for, right? Someone comes in to manage an email marketing channel, but they could care less about what's going on on Google Ads or Facebook or SEO or traditional, whereas we want to be very involved and collaborative with those other vendors and agencies to make sure that there's strategic thinking across all channels, right? We're not just focused on what we were hired for, but really focused on the overall marketing picture from a holistic point of view, and obviously reaching the overarching goals of the business collectively. Do you find you have many people who just like, they do have like blinkers on and they just like, no, I just want to do this one thing. And then they don't consider how impactful other elements could be. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's sometimes deterring. It's not as often as maybe it used to be, but especially in a world where there's a lot more meetings occurring now via Zoom or phone call because most people are, are working from home these days. We find that a lot of other agencies or vendors who may be in for a different marketing channel just don't want to take the additional time to do a weekly stand-up with all marketing vendors on a phone call to, again, understand really what's taking place holistically. So more times than not, you typically find a lot of pushback when you want to involve everyone in a weekly meeting or just for a quick catch-up and think to make sure everything's working towards one unified goal, which is unfortunate. But then you do have some other agencies, vendors, just individuals or clients who kind of force the matter and say, hey, this is important to us because we all need to be on the same page to get to that ultimate end. Yeah, so it's just client-by-client basis of like their well budget i'm sure is probably a big one 
So when it comes to like SEO, which you know is is our bread and butter, with either your existing clients or like new clients or prospective clients, how well do you like as a whole? Do you feel like people have like a pretty good understanding of what SEO is and what it can do for them? Or do you find that I think what I find is that people have heard about SEO, they know something about a keyword, and kind of that's where their knowledge kind of is. How when when you're dealing with your clients, what's their like level of understanding on knowledge, like generally speaking? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And Nine times out of 10, it's very foundational, right? SEO has been around for over a decade at this point, but it's only really come to fruition and and increased in popularity, I'd say, over the past couple of years. So a lot of times when you're talking to a client and you mention SEO, they'll start shaking their head. But as you had just mentioned, Kaz, it's very foundational. And it's like, okay, I know that I need to rank for certain keywords in order to show up for a Google search query, or I know that SEO helps drive my organic traffic. and, And they know the differences between a paid search result and an organic search result. And that's kind of where it stops, right? They don't necessarily understand the long-term value in SEO. And when I say long-term value, you do see this with clients often is you always have to explain to them that while we're implementing some SEO strategies now, it's not necessarily going to impact your business tomorrow. It always takes 30, 60, 90 days. And that's, I think, a short time frame. Typically, it's 90 to 180 days where you really see SEO implementation and campaigns taking effect. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you really have to sit clients down and explain to them the process of how things work as it pertains to SEO. And I think that's where you start getting into more technical things such as, you know, indexing, long tail keywords to show up for areas of opportunity as it pertains to keyword difficulty and search volume. So when it gets into the more detailed aspects of it, I think a lot of it gets lost or a lot of it gets kind of mashed up. Clients think they understand it, but they don't really understand exactly what needs to get done and how long it's going to take for that SEO to happen. Yeah, it's definitely not an overnight thing, which I think kind of brings me to one of the challenges. And I know, Charlie, we've talked about this a lot in all of our episodes, which you know, most of your clients won't face is the fact that our clients being dispensaries don't have an option to use Google ads, right? So your clients, I can see you having the challenge of, well, why don't we just Google ads? Then we can be at the top of the page versus with our clients, that is not an option. The only way that they can, you know, improve their rankings and get to the top of the page is SEO because they cannot legally advertise. So do you run across that with clients where they're like, well, I don't really want to spend the time and money and the effort in SEO, just run me some Google ads. Like that will get me where I need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always a matter of budget, right? Because you run into some clients who say they have a $5,000 ad spend budget per month, which is relatively on the lower end. But with $5,000, it's really hard to disperse that across different marketing channels. And really to be successful, your business needs not just SEO. It it does need Google ads if you're able to do that. It needs email marketing. It needs obviously SEO again. It may need some traditional method, Mm -hmm. but there are definitely clients I've come across who just don't have enough budget to do it. But I've also come across some who are just very stubborn and feel like the quick win of Google ads is all they need to really see a return on investment and a return on their ad spend. I've seen that be the case for some, but ultimately, I like to sit clients down and say, listen, you can spend $5,000 a month on Google Ads and Google Ads only. And and sure, you'll see a nice return on ad spend over however many months you want to run the campaign. But why not simultaneously implement an SEO strategy that will eventually overtake your need to have Google Ads running, right? Because while SEO may take some time, if you implement it, 
within a year, your organic search results can overtake your paid search results and ultimately save you money in the long run, right? So instead of spending $5,000 a month on Google, say six to 12 months from now, you can reallocate that $5,000 somewhere else as long as your organic ranking is high enough to overtake. Well, plus to me, that that would be the best approach, I think, in that case. But clients who are able to spend money on Google ads, the minute you start spending that money, your ad is gone and you are not at the top of that page anymore versus SEO, where if you do invest in you know SEO and you do allow the time for that to work, you will then just, you'll be at the top of the page and you can stay there as long as you just, you know, stay up on your SEO. It's kind of like renting or buying a house, isn't it? Like SEO is like buying a house takes a minute to have equity in it but once you have equity in it no one's taking the equity away from you it's there versus renting if you stop paying your rent at the end of the month you don't have an apartment anymore that's exactly it and that's that's a fantastic analogy and one i will definitely be using copyright me make sure (laughs) Uh, yes (laughs) make sure you tell everyone it was me who said that but that's kind of how i see it and that's the most clearest way i ever think of explaining it to somebody is like rent versus a mortgage yep it's a fantastic point and and it really is truly investing in yourself and in your business if you decide to put dollars behind seo because in the long run it, it just pays more dividends than google yeah, for sure. Charlie, are you awake? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Of course, oh, Charlie. You, know, you haven't contributed a single word for however long we've been well, having this conversation. Meeting thoughts over here. We know you're in Trestle. We know you're probably sitting there staring at the mountains, but, <laughs> you know. No, no, I'm, I'm here. I think... Uh, it, <laughs> Charlie, share, share your knowledge, Charlie. So much of this, like, <laughs> depends on, like, the... Like, I, I'm sitting here listening, and, it, like, so much of this is... First thing that pops in my head is, like, okay, like, where is the company at when you... You like a discovery call, like a, like some sort of like analysis call or whatever. Where do they want to go in six months and how fast do they want to get there? Do they want to floor it? Do they want to like yeah. say, fuck this. I like, we're yeah. going to beat my closest competitor or it's like a long-term game. I want to be acquired in like three years. And I was literally playing like three different scenarios in my head of like, okay, I want this kind of result realistically within 12 months or 18 months, whatever it is. So maybe SEO is in the best game plan. If it's not, we're not talking dispensaries, but maybe it's like some other direct to consumer, like a, I don't know, like a grooming product, for example, maybe paid ads is better, but given our obviously audience, they don't have that option. So SEO really is the most sustainable way to do it. And I I think there's just, there's different, the technical term is domain authority, but there's different like levels you could say of not just website traffic, but Google presence of dispensaries. And that really does dictate the outcome of an SEO campaign. And we, we've run into that roadblock a couple of times. So I think it really just depends on the company. All in all, it's like, it, it just depends on who you're talking to. Maybe like 30. Very much agree with that, Charlie, too. Uh, sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. And then I was thinking of like, what, okay, like, let's say SEO does make sense. All right. Jane Doe of dispensary in Missouri, like what, what KPIs would make sense for that dispensary, right? Like keep it before we start going down that road, explain what a KPI is. Connor, can you, in like layman's terms, what's a KPI? Yeah. So KPI, you know, which stands for key performance indicator, it's a very inside baseball, inside marketing term, so to speak, but it's really the 
end goal metrics that you're looking at as a business, right? So your key performance indicators. So if you are a dispensary, for example, you have probably multiple KPIs and you have some primary and secondary KPIs is the way I like to segment it out. And the key performance indicator for something like a dispensary, as an example, would ultimately be sales, whether that be online or foot traffic sales that come through the door. So again, it's really just metrics that dictate the success or failure of your business over a given period of time. Gotcha. Okay. What are like four solid KPIs a dispensary owner should keep their eye on for the website? So I think this goes back to your point too, because every business is different, right? So depending on where they're at, if they're a brand new dispensary, their KPIs may be a little bit different than a dispensary that's more established or a dispensary that may already be hitting some specific KPIs. But for the sake of an example, let's say that there is a dispensary that's only been around for six months now. So relatively new KPI. If I'm going to pick four, say maybe five, that really indicate the sign of success. The first one's always going to be sales. Sales basically show you how well you're doing in terms of how much product you're pushing or selling. But I think more importantly, the, the secondary KPI to sales is return on investment, right? Because you can have all the sales in the world, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually earning more than you're spending. So while sales are great, your return on investment or return on ad spend is definitely going to be your second KPI to take a look at. As far as you know, using dispensaries and sticking with that as an example, because you can't do a lot when it comes to paid advertising, traditional isn't really measurable in any sense. You know, let's focus on SEO related things. I think local SEO ranking as it pertains to Google My Business and long tail keywords such as dispensary near me or dispensary in Missouri, you know, you want to see where you rank compared to your competitors. And that is a great KPI to look at. Obviously, the more you move up in those rankings, the more visible you are, the better off you're doing. I also think branded versus non-branded traffic is a great KPI for dispensaries to take a look at as it pertains to SEO and users coming over to their site. Are they just getting a ton of traffic related to the name of their business or are they actually receiving traffic based on search queries not relevant, including the name of their actual business? The last thing I'd say too, really good KPI that I do think gets missed a lot of the time with dispensaries, and you two can speak to this better than I, is, is domain authority and its backlinks, because that's what's going to help you show up as high as possible in search results. And I do think that's a thing that a lot of dispensaries probably don't think of immediately, the main KPI to pay attention to. Interesting. So, so backlinks, and I fully agree, like local citations, backlinks, you know, that, that's what pins, you know, when your traffic starts, it goes up, starts going up. Those backlinks are what pin that you know, hockey stick effect. That that's one of the holes that we see in we actually had a conversation, Kaz Potts and I before this podcast of like these these SEO platforms, they do nothing for backlinks and say, okay, where how sustainable is that? Like where like where's the value in that? So I, I think backlinks are key. I think traffic attribution is key as well. In uh mm-hmm. and if you're a dispensary owner, go into your Google Analytics and then GA four and then look under traffic acquisition and then you can see channel by channel. So it's like your direct website channel and then your organic search channel and then your affiliate channel or your social channel. If, if it's set up properly with your e-commerce provider, you can see all of your data points on there. And one of the things that Conan mentioned was, are you making more from your investment than you put in? So I think that's, that's huge to me. I mean, that, as a business owner, that's the first thing I would look at, honestly. And also those non-branded keywords, dispensary near me, filter out the, the name of your dispensary and then is dispenser near me in that top three? And if it's not, like 
you got some work to do. You're missing out on so much opportunity there that it's almost pertinent to be ranking for keywords. Like yeah. That. It's costing you money to not do SEO. It, it, like you're just getting buried in competitive states like Missouri and Oklahoma and soon to be Maryland next week, actually Saturday. It's, That's right. Maryland's getting, getting that soon as well. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. Like you will get buried if, if you don't do that right. Kind of have a question for you guys then. So based on, you know, the question about getting buried and trying to show up for maybe non-branded keywords with the clientele that you've taken on, or if you have a new client that you're approaching, I'm assuming that researching branded versus non-branded keywords is part of that. Do you find it exceedingly difficult to get these dispensaries to start ranking for these non-branded keywords or search queries? Or is it typically a you know simple process that just needs to be implemented? I don't think, I wouldn't say it's difficult, would you, Charlie? It depends on where this dispensary is currently ranking, like what they're, this might be a long-winded answer, but there, there's a criteria of dispensaries that we work with. You know, if, if you've been around, if you have at least three locations and, you know, grossing a certain amount, I won't say it here, but grossing a certain amount and we can get in and see the guts of your website, how it's been performing the past 12 months. If it, if it meets that criteria that we uphold, then yeah, it's, it, it's not difficult. Like we, we literally have a set process of almost any kind of available outcome. We can basically measure that through the entire workflow. So as far as being difficult, no. Caspots, do you think like, like based on the dispensary, I think that's the bigger variables based on the dispensary, how fast can we get on there? And then we basically just like plug in our, our systems. And I mean, like into mind when I asked you that was the dispensary that we worked with when we were doing the whole iframe thing and the product specific, how quick we got that ranking. That was like, boom. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think if you speak in general terms, I don't think it's that difficult. And I think if you get into more specifics about exactly what they're ranking for the products, then, you know, you just take a deeper dive into it. Still don't think it's difficult, but I think each, each one's going to vary in, you know, how quickly we can make that happen. So you're Connor going back, you were saying non-branded keywords, correct? Like dispenser in your That's main? That's correct. Yep. There's tools that can definitely fast track that. Like we, we got our hands on this really cool software from Jane. Uh, it's Jane Boost, like really early on in their development. And it was really cool to see. So, I mean, that definitely helps just because those product pages are now indexable, meaning they can be read by Google. And the amount of search volume in the state of Missouri was bonkers. So what Kaz Potts was saying, we could see that like it created, it was so, it was such an anomaly. In Google Analytics, like I got an email, our analytics account got an email saying, Hey guys, this is really weird that the amount of traffic just shot up like overnight, like 700%. It was like, it was crazy. Wow. It's not difficult. And there's, there's cool platforms and tools that definitely aid in that. But I think it all comes down to how the dispensary is currently performing. And if it's performing in a certain way, meaning high functioning, then yeah, it's completely doable in less than 30 days. Right. So you need those foundational pieces in place to really capitalize on, on those non-branded search queries, which makes yeah. a ton of sense. Yeah. And that the, the most coveted one, you know, from, from our experience has been dispenser near me. And yeah. I would say weed near me and dispensaries, plural dispensaries near me is, is up there too. I, I think dispensary near me is searched 2 million times a month. I want to say so. I would say dispensary near me and then dispensary like Kansas City or Dispensary Denver. So Dispensary and then your location. And I would say Cannabis Store is up there as well. 
Well, that makes a ton of sense. And I think the reason, you know, it's like why I asked too is most dispensaries you come across, it's always about new customer acquisition, right? And if anyone's going to be searching, if you're searching the branded term, you're probably already a customer. And while that's fantastic for increased customer lifetime value, at the same time, you're not really working towards customer acquisition. And this circles back to no use of any other paid media, really, of any sort in the cannabis industry. So how do you acquire those new customers? And that's mostly probably through non-branded keywords and search queries, I would assume. Yeah, those are those are bottom of the funnel searches. Like they're ready to go. They're done. So if you, if you show up in that, someone just that wants top, to roll a joint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they have Friday off. They're they're ready. Like, and the goal of that is, if you're a dispenser, is to be in the top three. It's called the map pack. That's where all the one. That's where all the money is, and that's where you're going to find new customers. Is being at the map pack. Okay, so we talked about KPIs and the ones that we think are specific more to dispensaries. So with that in mind, one thing is not my favorite, because we all know this, we've talked about it before, is analytics, because they're not fun. (laughs) So is there any specific analytics or tools that you use that you think would be great for people who do have dispensaries? I know we use, what do we use, Charlie? We use a few. Well, I would say I'll give two. Well, the two most obvious ones. Okay, so I'll, I'll give one native Google one. So one is Google Analytics. That lets you see how many people came to the website, how they got there, like what kind of traffic channel. Do they go on SEO? Do they type in your dispensary name directly? How long were they on the site? What pages did they go to? So that's one. And my favorite one that's non-native, so like a third party, is SEMrush. And SEMrush lets you see competitors, lets you see like backlinks, lets you run analysis, lets you do like, if you're a dispensary in Kansas City where there's competition, a lot of competition, how is your dispensary ranked against your top five competitors? And then you can do like, you can compete all against each other for like a certain keyword and it lets you see what you need to do in order to get there. So one is SEMrush, two is Google Analytics. And Connor, from your expertise, what other platforms do you like to use? Yeah, you hit on two really good ones right there. I mean, I'm a big Google proponent. All the platforms that they use, I typically like to use. It's basically my Bible. So GTA 4, Google Analytics, that's going to be the top one. But there are some other ones out there that really help automate the sequence of events to the final endpoint that I think dispensaries would find useful. So something like Mixpanel does a really great job at getting integrated. It's a third party, but you, you add a snippet of code on your website. And much like GA4 now does, but Mixpanel was doing this before GA4 was even rolled out, is it automatically detects events that it finds valuable to a customer flow, right? So someone lands on the site, they click on a product collections page, and then they select the PDB page, which could be a specific strain of cannabis, right? And then they ultimately get to the bottom of the funnel and end up purchasing. What Mixpanel does, though, is it shows you every step of the way for that user, but not only once they got to the site, but obviously the source of where they came from and the path which they took to get to that ultimate endpoint, which is obviously the purchase here. So Mixpanel is really, really great at data visualization. Google Analytics, not so much. And I think the thing to take into account is while we're all inside baseball, inside marketing, as I said before, it's like we can open up Google Analytics and really understand what we're looking at or know where to find what we're looking for in terms of KPIs or metrics, where 
most people, dispensary owners, go into Google Analytics and they're on the initial page and they're like, I have no clue what to do from here. Mixpanel does a wonderful job at just visualizing the data for you the second you log in and making it really, really easy from a user interface and navigational standpoint so that someone can see the path of people who've purchased and gain a better understanding of if their marketing dollars are effective and their marketing initiatives are effective. So it basically would idiot-proof it effectively for people who are like new or don't know as much or... Yep, more or less. It's, it's Think of it, it's like, what's the average reading level in the country? I think it's like fifth or sixth grade. And it's more about the images than it is about the actual numbers and data that you're looking at and, you know, attribution source. And it really visualizes it for them. So yeah, it, it's pretty idiot-proof, basic and easy to understand you know, from the first login. And and can it help? So the users, can it help like give them a path to improving on those, like not numbers because they're not seeing that, but like... Like like drop? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just saying like, okay, so you're not doing so great in this area, but if you do X, Y, Z, you could improve by this much. Like, can it give them a pathway? Absolutely does that. It gives you areas of opportunity and optimization, which I find really useful. You know, obviously something like Mixpanel, Google Analytics is free. That's the best part of it. Mixpanel is obviously pay per month or pay annually platform, but it does give you that guidance where it could basically almost, if you have a little bit of marketing knowledge, it could basically replace a marketing consultant or marketing analyst to come in and and dictate which direction to go in. Okay. Yeah. Because sometimes it's like, well, great. I have these numbers. Now what? But now what do I do? Right. It's that's, you know, that's usually the, what most clients at least now that they face the same issue because analytics has been around for a long time. And if you're a business owner, you typically want to get involved in the marketing and see your website analytics. So they have a an understanding of it, but it's what do I do now that I can read the metrics? Which direction do I go in? Or where do I optimize? What channel isn't working the best for me? And you have to do a lot of that thinking when you're looking at a Google Analytics report, as opposed to mixed panel, which kind of dictates that direction for you. I might have questions for you later about this, but uh, this is pretty cool. I, I've not heard of Mixpanel, no. Yeah, really cool platform. Again, it's, you know, for someone like, for, for us, right? It's, you know, Charlie, I guess specifically, because Kat's thoughts that you don't like analytics, huh? What's up with <laughs> that? What's up that? With just, that? I just can't make them sound sexy to clients. And it's that's okay. what client wants. Their client okay. wants sexy. And I can't, I just, I'm just like, ugh. I actually have a strategy if I want to, if I want to expedite or get off a call faster, I'll just pull, pull up an analytics report and start talking through it. And typically clients will get off the call yes. three minutes earlier than they should. So that's, that's my methodology. But there. you know, like, I will tell you this story. I will not name the client. They are a skincare client. I will just leave it at that, that we have worked with. This was before, obviously we niched down and, and we really got deep, deep, deep into our dispensary clients, but we did work with this one client and we were on a call with them. And it was like your bulk standard call, very polite, very blah, blah, blah. And Charlie pulls up the analytics and he said something to the effect of like, they showed how how their searches increased and then their competitors' searches decreased. And it was like, basically told the client, like you stole these keywords from your competitor. And I have never seen somebody's face. He just like sat straight up in his chair, face beaming. He's like, yeah. Like, like, that's like, that's sexy. No, no reaction like that from anything else in the entire meeting that we had until we got to that point of you stole these keywords from your client. And it was like, dude, I just won the lottery. 
it was night and day. And that's what I mean by like trying to make it sexy. Because he literally, we had, he had all these other analytics, didn't give a rat's ass about it. But the minute you told him he stole this from a competitor, boom, done. Yep. It's all about that life. So that's why I'm saying I just, it's so hard to make it sexy. And that's what they want. They want that moment. I want to see that moment again. You know? It is. It's, it's the aha moment. And they're few and far between, but you do have them. And I do quite a few reports on a monthly basis, Charlie, as, as you know. Yeah, it's, I think it's maybe once every two or three months where I'm because it's even hard for me to go in and, and really start pulling out these Easter eggs right from analytics analytics reports. But there'll be these moments where I even have an aha and I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're going love this. And typically they see it and they're like, this is great. And as long as I can provide those small moments in time of them looking at an analytics report and getting a really great takeaway from it, such as you're explaining with the competitor keywords. Mm-hmm. It's all that they need to keep it going. It's all that they need to say, this is worthwhile to continue looking into because we pulled this one thing out in a given month. And, you know, I very much love those moments as well and love finding them myself, but being able to share it with a client who appreciates it as much as I do is always a good thing. That's true. Any other tools that you think would be helpful? No, I mean, those are the primary two, you know, again, Google Analytics, GA4, it's my Bible. It's what I go by. I think it gives you the most insight and it gives you the most explanation and attribution behind why the metrics read the way they do. I'd say one last one is Google Search Console. That that shows you the keywords or queries, same thing. Shows you the keywords by which people found you, pages, performance, impressions, just, just other data, other sets of data that Google Analytics does not show you. You can usually find that in Google Search Console. I mean, specifically for dispensaries, Search Console is probably, I would say, one of the primary platforms you should be using in regards to monitoring your success in marketing. It's mainly organic too. So that, yeah, exactly. Questions, click-through rate, all that. Yeah, 100%. Well, all right. So either of you two have some magical words, then I think we can pretty much wrap up here. All right. I got a bike to ride. Go. Yeah, go ride that bike. Well, I just wanted to say again, Charlie Taz, I appreciate this so much for you two. Thank you for me having me on. You know, just another couple words. For you. I'm just very, very proud of the trajectory you two have been on, seeing your growth from the couple of years that we've been working together. Just really congratulations to you two. Props to you two. This is an awesome podcast that you have going, and I'm just really happy to be a part of it. Oh, Connor. Well, thank you so much, Connor. We've we did a lot of cool work on a a past job on a client, I guess, not to sound like too much like an agency, but yeah. I remember the first time I got an email from you, it was like a Wednesday at like 10 PM. And I found out you're on the East coast. I was like, this guy's a fucking lunatic sending emails at Wednesday at midnight. Like, okay. That's probably why we got it. Actually. I've learned my lesson. What I start doing now is, is I actually use the schedule button in Gmail and I send yes. them the next morning at 8 AM. Yes. So, but I bombard people with 10 emails at 8 AM. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm awake, you know, so, but I, I've learned my lesson there to stop sending emails at 10 p.m. to not give clients, you know how clients are. I don't want to give them the wrong impression that I'm available at 10 p.m. every day. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, appreciate you both. Before we go, I know your website is astoriaadvertising.co. Where else can people reach out to you? You can do LinkedIn and our Facebook profile. Perfect. And then for us, you can always find us on YouTube and LinkedIn. And I think that's it. So thank you very much. We will catch you on the next one.
And that's a wrap for today's episode of the High Rankings Podcast, brought to you by Dispensary Growth, the preeminent SEO agency for dispensaries. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you found value in the insight and the tips we shared. If you did, please hit that subscribe button. And if you're feeling super generous, we would love it if you left us a review. If there's a specific topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, or if you have any questions, you can go ahead and find us on LinkedIn or YouTube. We'll see you next time.